Let's talk to a, a Chicago area native. He went to Glenbrook North. Jesse just texted me saying that uh, Mount Rushmore on GBN for Glenbrook North is filling up. Jason Kipnis went to GBN, and he joins us right now on the Corona Hotline as he is now a Chicago Cub. Uh, good to talk to you, Jason, for the first time on the Waddle and Sylvie Show. How are you? Doing well, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. All right, so who's like atop the GBN power rankings? Ooh. Is it you? Is it Chris I, Collins? I, I, is it John Shire? What about Jesse, Dave Revson? Jesse? <laughs> I was going to ask, is Jesse putting himself up there before when I heard that? Oh, you know it. Yeah. I don't know. You got Shire, Scott Sanderson, got to be up there, right? I think you got some. Some there's some swimmers. I want to say there's an Olympic swimmer or two that might be on there. Nice. So, how do you feel about wearing the Cub uniform? Is it, I'm getting used to it. It's taking a little time, man. I've been put on the same uniform for over ten years now, and uh, finally get to put on a, a different one. And um, I almost feel like a rookie again where I, I, I don't know anyone too well. I don't know where to go a lot of the times, but uh, it's exciting. If there was a, a jersey that I could put on right now, it'd be this one. Is it is it weird for you, too, in the same regard because of the history of 16? Only for a little bit. I don't I think it's not uh, – I mean, there's always going to be that history there by the fact that we played against each other, and that was uh, such a big part of uh, – both clubs' histories. Um, it's not like it's brought up every day. It's really not even talked about. I think a lot of guys uh, are more concerned about this season as the way they should be. And um, I, does that mean it won't come up here in the future? Probably not. But at the same time, I think it's they're respectful. And they they appreciate all that went on and uh, the hard work from both sides. You know, we've gotten the story so many times from some of your current teammates now about, like, what went on in that Game 7. It's going to go down in history as one of the best baseball games ever played. And we've always heard the Cubs' side of things during the 17-minute rain delay. You guys go into the clubhouse. What are you thinking at the start of the rain delay? Uh, not Not thrilled. About it, not thrilled that we had a we had a lot of momentum going right there, and we got to kind of sit down for a second. We wanted to ride that wave a little bit more, and uh, was hoping we could have could finish it out. I hope the rain could have held off a little bit longer, but uh, I, I don't think we had a, a big old team meeting from what I hear, like the Cubs did. We didn't have a, a a circle up and let's talk about it. I think guys were feeling good, guys were staying loose and getting in the cage and. Locked in. I didn't. There wasn't much that needed to be said at the time. One of the key components to that Cubs team in that year was your manager. Now, how has the uh, very short David Ross experience been for you so far? You know what? I think he's doing awesome so far. Actually, I think he's really holding his own, um, and I, I don't think they're wrong. I think this guy was built for this. You could tell that he's very passionate about what he's doing right now, and um, he, he he's got a lot to give this game still. And I think that's what he, he's realizing. And I think he's going to do pretty damn well as a manager. Jason Kipnis joining us. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. So when people look at you and you're a two-time All-Star, uh, you played in a World Series, uh, when they say, what does Jason Kipnis have left, what do you respond with? A lot. I think uh, there's a lot that I could bring this team into this game. I think I, I've been around winning teams. I've been around losing teams. I know what both sides look like. Um, I know what, what needs to be be uh, kind of part of your daily routine as a team that you got to lock in. I know what needs to get done each time. and um, My body feels good. I know when I, I'm right. 
that I'm one of the better second basemen in the league. It's just about being right and for over a course of the long season, though. But I still got a lot left in the tank. I was go- I was going to say to you as you get older, um, how much more aware are you about? being healthy and making sure that injuries are something that you take care of and, and that they don't affect you as you play. Oh, absolutely. You definitely uh, become more in tune with your body. I think you have to be. You start to work a little bit smarter and not harder. Um, you realize what requires your time a little bit more. Um, you, you you pay a little bit more attention to what you're putting into your body. And I think as you get older, you realize that there's the, the prep leading up to the game might be just as important. So I think you got to get your body in the best position to succeed. And um, it becomes a little bit harder and takes a little bit more time the older you get. But it's just part of the, the gig. It, it does, something that makes you great is is the work that you put in and the grinder mentality. Do you need to step off the gas when your body's barking at you? I think so. I don't, I don't think this is something that, especially this early on in spring, you want to... You're, yes, you're trying to make a good first impression. Yes, you're trying to win a spot. You're trying to win a position. But I don't think it's going to be done on day two of spring training. I think I know that well. Um, this definitely is going to be a marathon. And uh, you know what? If you if you got some bad swings that day and you want to not go to bed feeling that way, you, you go into the cage. If you got some good swings and you, you want to feel more of that, you go into the cage. But if you're not and you're, you're happy with the work you've got done, uh, there's not, nothing wrong in taking some days and just taking it on in. Jason, as as a veteran in this sport, I'm sure you have strong feelings about what has transpired with regard to the Astros. How would you summarize your feelings? It's gotten a little bit worse as it's gone on. I think we were just talking about it in the, the Cubs after. I think at first I was like in one ear, out the other. I didn't give it too much time and effort and thought and I think in the more that I, I, I sit down and actually think about what was going on and how this is all played out, you, you're going to see a lot of guys that just really aren't happy with the way things were handled, really aren't happy with the organization. It's not just – listen, guys give signs. That's not what happened here. There's a little different than that is when you use technology and when you're banging on crap that gives it a right away right before the pitch, it's just different. That's not giving signs and part of the game. It's just – and then you go back and kind of – you look at maybe how smug some of these Astro players were throughout all their interviews and right. the time playing, and it's that's when it, you really start to rub you the wrong way. And and now they get away with it. I mean, there's nothing that can be done. I'm not expecting an apology or anything like that, but they get away with it. And now guys can't even pitch inside either. And it's just like you just start to question, what are we doing here? Yeah, and maybe this is a difficult question for you to answer, but from your perspective, a veteran player's perspective, what would have been an acceptable punishment from the commissioner's office that may alleviate some of that tension that you're talking about with regard to how other players around the league feel about this? Liz, I'm not going to try to tell him that I don't think he has a hard job right here because he does have a hard time in trying to appease a bunch of people and find the right punishment, this commissioner. Right. Because if you, if you punish the future teams, the Astros, let's say you can't you take away the playoffs from them for the next year or two, something like that, you're hurting guys who are coming to the Astros that weren't even part of it or guys that had left the team already, they're not being punished. So how do you punish the ones that were already there? And it's you got to find this happy medium, and I, I don't know. Right. I, I wish it would just been more, and I wish immunity wasn't given immediately to the players because they just come away unscathed and, like, it's really hard to tell who's sincere in their apologies. And even if they are sincere, okay, then what? They they still get the ring and they still go to bed at night 
world champions, and there's not much we can do about it. Jason Kipnis joining us, Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. So is that what ticked you off most? You alluded to the smugness of the apology. If they would have stood up there the first day of spring and say, we screwed up, I understand why everyone's going to question us going forward. You have that right to do that. We really aren't happy with what went on in the past, and we benefited from it. Do you think that's the story would have went away quicker? I think it would have been a much better starting place. I don't think what Correa has come out and said and done, I'd like trying to point fingers back at people and saying, oh, this guy didn't cheat or, or, or we stopped in the World Series. Listen, I played this game long enough. If you did it in the ALCS and the DS, you did it in the World Series. You didn't just stop when you got to the biggest stage. You're probably firing on all cylinders by the time you got there with everything. And, um, and I just don't think he realizes that, okay, let's say Altuve didn't do it. The guys who were on base for him did, or or the guys that drove him in did, and I don't think he realizes how it does affect everything. And um, that, yeah, it's just a it's just a bad it's a bad look for the game, and I I, I don't I hope they realize it. Um, I just don't think they will. I asked Mark Grace this question last Friday. He said, Mark, you were a 303 career hitter. If you knew which pitch was coming every time the pitcher threw it, what would your career average be? And he responded, 450. <laughs> is it that much easier, <laughs> Kip, is it that much easier knowing? I mean, is that not far off? It's not too far off. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and say you're guaranteed a hit. I've missed on a lot of two Oh fastballs when I thought fastball was coming three, one it's there's times I, I more likely than not knew a pitch was coming and still fouled it off or maybe hit it right at someone. But just an, it is such a, a distinct advantage to know what pitch is coming and to be on time to where these guys, cause every pitch means so much where you go from a one, one count. Now you, you, you spit on this nasty slider that normally you'd swing at, and now you're in a 2-1 hitter's advantage instead of being down 1-2, and the numbers are very drastic. So there's a lot of things that go into play on why it helps you so much of just being on time with what's coming. The Red Sox are being investigated as well, but, but, but would you be shocked? Did you have suspicions that other teams around Major League Baseball may have been playing dirty and fast with those rules as well? You're going to hear that most teams do it, and I, I'm not going to agree with that. I could say Cleveland, we never did it. I think we, we tried to in the sense that we tried to pick up signs the right way. We tried to right. look in from second base, get Without it, and then technology. you relay it. Yeah. And, and I think because that, that also gives the defense a time to – they can catch us trying to relay signs, and then they can mix it up. That's the cat-mouse game of the game. Right. You are, that's, that's part of the game. I, I don't think what the Astros did was part of the game. All right, uh, before we let you go, as we get to know you a little bit here, um, you may be a little young to remember Waddle when he played for the Bears. Lifetime true, ago. <laughs> true, true or false on the Wikipedia page that you were a stud-wide receiver in high school? 100% true. All right. You were smart. You chose baseball, which is a safer and, and a more lucrative sport. Good job, Jason. I, I played every sport I could get my hands on younger, whether it's soccer, football, basketball, everything. But I, I knew which one I was good at and which one I, <laughs> I, I stopped growing real early on, and I, I haven't grown since, so I knew where I was going with it. True or false, you scored over 40 goals in soccer your freshman year in high school. True. Wow. And true or false, you knew Steve Bartman. Uh, <laughs> false in the sense that he was more. He was my sister's age. I think they they rode the bus together. I was too young to ever 
know him personally or anything like that. I know he lived down the street a little bit, but uh, so I'm going to say false. I don't know him personally. So when you're, a, I think you were a sophomore in 03, sophomore in high school, you see that happen with the Cubs. Is it right away a discussion in your family? We know that kid? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not even sure. I think, uh, to be honest, I can't even really remember that playing out. I want to say with my sister and all them being away from being away in college, they probably were talking about with my parents more than I ever understood what actually just happened. You were focusing on football practice and other things. That was not on <laughs> probably your mind. Not. Yeah. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> well, it was, it, was, it was great to talk, and hopefully we could do it again. And best of luck this spring, all right? Thank you, gentlemen. Hopefully the first of many. There you go. Thanks, Jason. Uh, Jason Kipnis, really good guy to talk to. Went to Glenbrook North and Northbrook. That's in the northern suburbs.